This is Business Impact, a podcast series from UCD College of Business, Ireland's leading business school. I'm your host, Emmett Oliver, and each episode, I'll be joined by world-renowned faculty from across the College of Business, as well as international industry leaders who offer us insight, spark curiosity, and challenge you to rethink how you do business in a changing world. To the first podcast of 2023. You actually cannot believe, A, it is 2023, and B, that we are still on our podcast because this was, as you know, an initiative kind of fell into our laps a little bit during the first year of COVID where the business school here at UCD, where I'm sitting recording mm-hmm. this podcast, we had a, really the idea to do this on a temporary basis to reach out beyond the campus to all our community, both students, alumni and the general public and anyone with a UCD connection. But here we are in 2023, I have to say, in miserable rain and cold, as you get in January in Ireland, no big surprise there, uh, with our first podcast of the year. And it's great to be up and running here on Business Impact. And my guest today has actually been here before. She's actually come back for a second time. Most of, <laughs> lots of our guests just don't do that, unfortunately, for whatever reason. And that's Dr. Orla Byrne, and she is the Assistant Professor of Entrepreneurship here at UCD Business School. And the last time we talked to her, and if you might want to call it part one of um, a reflection on this issue, is the issue of business failure. Now, one of the reasons we talked to Orla the last time was, and again here, was we're so surrounded and marinated in triumphs of business success and everyone wants to be photographed, everyone wants to talk about the new deal, the new venture capital funding, the new flotation, the new business that's won an award. We seem to be surrounded by awards uh, schemes uh, at this time of the year. But anyway, so everyone likes to reflect on that. That's understandable. But there's less work done generally in government and state services, but also even in academia on business failure. So Orla finds herself uh, often on her own at uh, various (laughs) events because everyone else is there talking about business success. So it is January. uh, And that's one of the reasons we're likely to talk to Orla, because this is unfortunately, traditionally has been the killing fields, if you want to call it that, uh, for companies. There's been a lot of insolvency in January in Ireland And generally, the business model, particularly in hospitality, has been to get through the summer months, take in good revenue then, and then winter the leaner months of January, February and March and so on. And Ireland, in particular, because of our particular climactic conditions, that is very much what you need to do. But with energy bills and other things coming in on top of the particular hospitality sector, that is maybe not necessarily going to be as easy as it was in previous years. And in a few minutes, Orla will be telling me about one practical cross-community initiative that is underway in the next few weeks to tackle this particular problem. So you're very welcome to the podcast, Orla. Thank you very much, Emmett. I'm we delighted to be back. We didn't frighten you off too much the first time. <laughs> Such a good experience I had to I know, that was our aim, but it, it didn't work. We can't shake you off at all, you know. Um, as I said in the introduction, you, you focus in your academic work, but also outside the classroom as well, on business failure. In Ireland, everyone wants to be in the photograph. Everyone wants to be associated with success. That old uh, phrase about um, success. What is it again? Failure is an orphan. Success has many fathers. And I think that tends to be in Ireland. We're we're kind of a sunny, bubbly, you know, positive type of race. So we do tend to like to look at that. But every day of the week, businesses go to the wall and do fail. And there are real human beings behind those statistics. And January, um, Orla, generally has been a tough time for businesses. Um, And there's a whole lot of um, issues, the confluence of them coming together right now. I've mentioned the energy one. Just give us a sense before we go into the some of the practical things we want to talk about today, but just what's your sense of the sentiment is like out there at the moment? Is there a lot of concern about business failure coming into the start of this year? What are the kind of issues that you're you're kind of picking up on the ground? It is. It's a tough time. And 
I suppose if you're speaking to well-seasoned entrepreneurs, they might say, oh, there was never, there's never not a tough time. But this is, this is very difficult. I mean, businesses have just come through COVID and last year we were trying to get their feet on the ground again. Um, you know, and then with everything that's been happening with the war, energy prices, and then there's uh, the issue of tax warehousing coming up for people now again, where they're, they may have had some tax relief for the last few years as a COVID initiative, may have decided to manage their finances and repay that money uh, this year and last year, but then are being faced with the tax bills on top of incredible energy bills as well. So it's a tough time for businesses. And even the term business failure itself is quite an interesting term as well. And uh, we we use, it's a term we use in research a lot. Um, and in a way, we're removed we're just using it as a term to describe a business that's no longer running or the decision has been made to close a business because it's no longer financially viable for the people behind it. Um, but if we talk about business exit, uh, business closure, all of these different types of things as well. But people people can still feel a little bit tainted by the term failure. And when, when I use the term, I have to say, I'm not thinking of people as failures or anything. It's just a way to describe a business that's no Do we no need to retire longer. that term, do you think? Or is I it don't know. Is the pejorative aspects to it? Yeah, it's very... It's a funny one because, as I said, we use the term in research terms um, just purely to describe a business that is no longer there. To but 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 it it is a term that people are very uncomfortable with actually. Um, and the more I speak to people, I have to be careful of my terminology as well. It's quite a sensitive issue, and I would hate people to think that I think of them as failures or their businesses as failures because they're not. They're typically like for for. Uh, what we see um, coming through, we would say that even in terms of bankruptcies, that 90% of bankruptcies are what we call honest bankruptcies. Um, and, and that's based on EU research as well. And it's where people have, you know, without, uh, with the best will in the world, tried to keep their businesses going for as long as possible and then have just had to make a decision that they're no longer financially viable. So, yeah, it's an interesting term. Yeah, and, and the way I think some of your research has looked at, at the way the outside community reacts yeah. to the failure of yeah. more than the failed business. And we had yeah. this conversation the last time, so we won't go over it again. But the perception issue um, and, mm. and what the climate is like when, when somebody's business fails. And as you say, the 90 percent of them are honest failures. Yeah. I suppose the, the oxygen tends to be taken up by the 10 percent a lot. Yeah. Um, so maybe that, that that is what happened. And also we were comparing the last time the, the reaction in the US yeah. versus Europe and how business failure is viewed. I suppose different geographies view it differently. I'm not sure as yeah. much on how Ireland views it or have you come across any research on how we in this country um, look at business failure? You know what? I'm actually really proud of how things have come on in Ireland. And in terms of Europe, we have... Um, we're doing an awful lot better. If you think back to a number of years ago, the if you were declared bankrupt, you were struck off from being a director for nine years. Nine years. So we're trying to encourage an environment of entrepreneurship, encourage people to get out there. We know entrepreneurship is good for economies, for societies. And the biggest deterrent for people starting businesses is a fear of failure. And then we penalise people for nine years. Um, now, obviously... For that 10% where the, we have those serious, significant, dishonest um, bankruptcies, obviously we need to have policies and regulations in place to to dissuade people from that kind of behaviour. But what we have now is far more pro-entrepreneurial 
um, bankruptcy laws. Um, we also have a fantastic scheme, which we spoke about previously as well, the SCARP initiative, which was introduced. And that is an, a mediation ground for businesses. So beforehand, it was either you were in business or then you're facing your bankruptcy, etc. Whereas I have to really credit everybody behind the SCARP initiative um, and getting that off the ground in terms of mediating uh, re- and revisiting and refinancing, restructuring your businesses and speaking to creditors and trying to avoid bankruptcy where there is um, a, a significant going concern that is struggling for various reasons, but the core of the business is deemed you know, sufficiently profitable to keep going, that there is an initiative there that will try to help entrepreneurs um, uh, get through the hurdles as well. Um, so I think in terms of your our European standing, I think Ireland is doing really well. I think we're acknowledging that businesses um, can face challenges and trying to really uh, find ways to support them. So infrastructurally, that's come on a long, long way, which is is really positive. Um, But then, yeah, there are other parts of the process that, of course, um, I think we could be improving a lot on. And I guess that's where uh, why I'm here today as well to talk about one of the initiatives that I've been involved in uh, to try to to do even more. But, you know, I've just realised... I don't think I answered your question. <laughs> no, I think you did. I, I actually think you did. You got her in a roundabout sort of did way. Did I? Okay. Well, I, was just, I think you're saying it's changing in Ireland, whereas, look, I, I mean, probably me and you, the generation we're both from, the, there was always that parental advice to be cautious, get a job yeah. in the local bank. Entrepreneurship has come on a long way in Ireland. It is yeah. viewed differently. I think that's the point, yeah. isn't it? It's just, yeah. it is seen as a legitimate career choice. Yeah. Whereas yeah. we were told, go to the bank, go to the civil service. Yeah. Entrepreneurship was frowned upon for some of these reasons. Yeah. Business failure, you, you lose yeah. your shirt, you know. Yeah, for sure. Um, so that, do you think that's sort of changing yeah. just that yeah. kind of... Um, perception of it as a legitimate career option. Yeah, yeah it's interesting. Um, and I think entrepreneurship is a really fascinating area. Um, and it's, you know, it is a good career choice for people as well. Um, uh, but I think, you know, from kind of an economic perspective, taking the, the macro view of things, the research is there and the belief is there that entrepreneurship is good for an economy and good for society. It's good for people to feel that they have, they have the support and infrastructure to to allow them get up and go start their own business if they want. Do you know, so one of the things we look at in entrepreneurship would be barriers to entry, you know, as a big deterrent to entrepreneurial activity. And if we lived in, in a society or in a country where starting a business or doing something on your own, getting out and doing that is unattainable, if there's such significant barriers to entry, if it's so expensive, if it's only for a few elite people, um, if it's so bureaucratic, if it's just incredibly corrupt, etc. All of these different types of things means that people then don't have have it within their means to start businesses. Whereas if if we're in a society like we are lucky to be um, in, in Ireland, where we can, anybody can feel they have the ability to get up and start and run a business, then that's really positive because you're creating opportunities for yourself. You're creating possible livelihoods for yourself and for others. You're contributing back to your communities, back to society. Um, so, it's it, 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 there is a vibrancy and and a confidence and a belief, a self belief, which is far more beneficial in many ways, or as beneficial as the economic benefits there as well. The challenge, I guess, is when you have that, and when when you're talking about entrepreneurship, the focus can be very much steered towards starting and growing a business, which, as you mentioned, uh, you, you talked about kind of the positive stories about entrepreneurship, which we tend to celebrate. And we should. Anybody in business knows how hard it is. All of those 
all of those markers should be celebrated. I guess where my research kicks in then is when things aren't all going as smoothly and where people are getting support if their business is facing challenges or indeed has had to close as well. And um, that's uh, that's what what I've been talking about. And actually, this brings me back around to your very first question, which I don't think I did actually address in terms of the success failure. (laughs) Second (laughs) Uh, career choice. (laughs) Is, you know, that kind of uh, conflict almost or how we talk about and celebrate success and how we we, we don't really do anything um, when, when things aren't working out so much. And that's definitely an imbalance that I would see um, And if in terms of how we support people. So if we are saying entrepreneurship is important, go out there, start businesses and we'll help you start them and we'll help you grow them. And, you know, there's any number of start your own business programs out there and it should be and it's phenomenal. And there's networks and everything, regardless of your background, there is a support there to, to get you started on the way, which is super the thing is, if it's not working out well or if, if you've closed and you're trying to just figure out, like get your feet back on the ground, I feel that there is less support for people at that part of the entrepreneurship story. OK, well, let's let's zone in a little bit. The one sector that we do want to talk about a lot today because they are the most vulnerable in January generally and mm. also because of the pandemic is the hospitality sector. And we know we all became experts during the pandemic on dry pubs and wet pubs <laughs> and dry cafes and wet cafes and all the rest of it. Mm. Um, and we know what they've been through. Mm. Uh, some of them were literally closed virtually for the entire pandemic. Others, mm. if they served food, were open for periods. We won't get into all those darker days when <laughs> the heavy restrictions were imposed and for other political reasons because various people have various views on all of these things of which we will avoid. It happened. It was very damaging. And now the sector is picking itself up and I suppose dusting itself down. But yet there's sort of always a new challenge. There's always a new Mm. thread, isn't there? Mm. And as we come into January, you've got energy costs. You've got other cost inflation, not just energy, but energy is the one. I saw a man in the paper this morning, uh, I think running a cafe in the Midlands, uh, holding a bill costing thousands of euros just for a two month uh, time period. You've obviously Mm -hmm. got staff shortages uh, and those issues that are probably go back even before the pandemic. And some people will say, well, look, that's just the nature of the business. It's Mm. just the churn and the the structure of the business. Resources are tied up in non-economical businesses Mm. and they should get redistributed, Mm -hmm. our old economic Mm. friends would say, right? Um, But life is never quite as simple as that. So tell us a little bit about where the hospitality sector is Mm. at the moment, Orla, because I know that's one you keep a close eye on. And you're involved in a cross-community initiative called At The Pass, which, by the way, is if you want to find out, it is at thepass.ie, mm-hmm. even if you want to uh, put it into your phone now as you're listening to us. This is an amazing initiative. But before we get into the initiative, just tell us a bit about what is the current health as from mm. what you can hear of the hospitality sector. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I agree. With everything that you said is so true. Um, and, you know, if we just even take it to our own lives, first and foremost, to to just emphasize how important this sector is for us all on a personal level. I mean, you think of think of how we mark and we celebrate special occasions in our lives and how we reward ourselves and how we differentiate a Friday and a Saturday from a Tuesday and a Wednesday um, and how we just yeah punctuate our lives with with happy memories and special occasions. It's it's always tied up with the hospitality sector. Do you know? So they provide a, such a huge, important role in our lives. Uh, you know, whether it's your daily treat or your weekly treat of your nice coffee and your nice pastry or your family occasion with your, you know, out or, you know, 
a romantic meal with your partner, yeah. whatever it is. Pints after a match. Pints after a match. Exactly, exactly. So if we kind of think about the things that punctuate our lives, it's it's always created through the hospitality sector. And that's why lockdown was so hard for all of us. We were denied that so much. But behind the hospitality sector are amazing people who come up with ideas for for these establishments and who welcome us in. OK, yes, there are obviously they're, they're making money from them and hopefully they, they, they are. But they're creating atmospheres to give us experiences and memories as well. So when we talk about the hospitality sector and churn and we take a very economist economics view of it and that's just symptomatic there's always going to be closures and there's churns <laughs> and there's cafe yeah. there one day and another cafe the next day etc cetera, etc cetera. that's true but what i like to think about is actually there's people behind every one of those businesses so that guy in the midlands with the paper you know i i just feel for him and everybody else like him so much they're, they created these businesses, they invest so much of their time, so much of their identity, their personality is caught up in, in, in is invested. I wouldn't say caught up because that makes it feel like it's a restrained thing or something or constrained. But they invest so much into them to create atmospheres that we want to go to. Um, so they're, they're, they're creating important roles in their communities and, and everything as well. And you know, what we're finding is that they are suffering. It's a very, very difficult time. Anybody who still was still standing after COVID, you know, things were thinking, uh, the, the outlook was optimistic um, and uh, it seemed like, OK, we can get back on our feet now. COVID, we're out of that, move on. And nobody was expecting the war and no one was expecting this energy crisis. Um, so what we're seeing is that people, you know, there is fatigue on the ground. People are, are exhausted. And sometimes when you're in that mindset, you you don't have the energy to do a complete overhaul of your business, a complete overhaul of your strategy, because you've just been doing that. You've just been firefighting for the last yeah, two years. Yeah, you might be doing takeaway for the first time, yeah, you know, yeah, outdoors, yeah. maybe yeah, you got no yeah. food, maybe you had food, maybe yeah. you had drink, maybe you didn't, you know, all that sort of stuff was going on. So the on. ask is quite big for businesses in the sector to completely reinvent their business models yet again. Um, so hospitality is is one area yeah that I've kind of been been thinking about a lot and been talking about with with people on the field because it's an area that I see is struggling and uh, because I do love to go out and I do love to eat in lovely places and I all you know I love an, an, an owner run establishment you know hands down it's it's just always such an enjoyable experience so I'm always thinking about the people behind these businesses and um, so when you hear these stories about these cafes bars restaurants closing on a, such a frequent basis I can't help but feel what about these people behind these you know it, nobody makes that decision to close their business lightly Nobody makes a decision to start a business lightly either. Um, so there is, I, I just kind of keep thinking, well, what have they been going through in terms of the, the build up to make those decisions to close? Because I know how much those businesses mean to those people, how much of themselves are tied up in them. So then when I hear about those closures, I'm thinking, well, what, how are they managing? How are they processing? Um, and, and kind of I hope that they feel that there's some support for them. And I wonder if there is. So you, like a lot of academics, you know your stuff, you do mm. your research, you're, you're publishing away, you're teaching, you're, you're busy, you're pandemics or no pandemics. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that, and UCD is not the only one, but UCD definitely emphasises impact, yeah. getting out there, engaging beyond the, yeah. the campus or the, dare I say, the, the ivory towers, yeah. because they all horrendous cliche. <laughs> um, but it's very much about getting into the community. So you've mm. taken your teaching, right, mm. and your research, which 
focuses on resilience, business failure, all of those sort of things. And you've kind of applied it into the real world and got involved in this new initiative called At The Past. Tell mm. us a little bit about, first of all, how it came about mm. Mm. and what's involved. So from the first podcast, uh, part one uh, last year, you may recall that I was talking about some of my research. So just to, to, to give, uh, just to recap on that, since about 2008, 2009, I've been quite interested in this area of, well, what happens when business is closed? Now, when, when, when we say business failure, as I explained earlier, um, I'm not trying to avoid the failure happening happening in my research. I'm not a strategy person trying to say, there's if, a if 10 you don't things. it this way, you want yeah, yeah, exactly. Because if I ask you, Emish, what's the five things you need to do to avoid business failure? And if I go into an undergraduate class <laughs> or an, M- or an MBA class, what you'll come up with would be like, yeah, if you could do any of those things, you probably, you know, that would be great. But we, none of us predicted COVID. None of us, well, okay, some people maybe did, yeah. but none of us predicted the scale of it with war, no. etc. We don't know These what's around the horizon. These are external events. Exactly. That a business, no business in Ireland that's running a cafe restaurant could have known, oh, well, a pathogen would have emerged in yeah. China in 2020 or late 2019. So, so when you yeah. were sitting there doing your SWOT analysis, it <laughs> yeah, wasn't, wasn't, there, it wasn't no. in your threats no. box, I can tell you that much. So... I would say, you know, I'm 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 not trying to do that in my work. My work looks at if if you're in trouble, how do you manage that yourself? So I look at the person behind the businesses. I look at the impact of closure on entrepreneurs. I look at the emotional processing of it. I look at the recovery processes, the learning, etc. So that's my area. So with that in mind, then um, I've so f- I've been looking at that for the last what's that over 10 years anyway, 10, 12, 13 years. And as you say, impact and engagement is an important part of of our research as well. Um, And through previous studies, so you mentioned resilience there as doing a study on resilience during um, during COVID and how entrepreneurs and business owners were coping with COVID. And uh, and, um, through that, I came across uh, a fantastic business coach uh, down in Kilkenny, food business coach called Tracy Daly. Um, and Tracy is amazing for anybody who's uh, starting uh, or in, in the food business sector. Um, and I met her and I, I so I've been in touch with her. And then recently I've seen her pass or, or, or messaging about, you know, the struggles that food businesses were facing at the moment and the amount of closures in the area and really saying, you know, what can we do about this? And so with my research in the area and with Tracy's expertise in the area, I was saying, listen, Tracy, let's get together and try and see if we can do something to help food, beverage, hospitality-based businesses, um, and and let's come up with something. So we've got a couple of others together. We've got also got um, Noel Murray down at Munster Technological University, and Noel is uh, Head Department of Tourism and Hospitality. And we have Chris Towers, who's at uh, Food Story, and Chris is a PR expert as well in this area. So we've got this balance then of academic input um, and industry expertise on the ground, and it really came from a place of, look, this isn't great for the sector. There's a lot of, you know, a lot of businesses are struggling out there. What can we do? And the solution that we came up with was an initiative, as you said, uh, and we called it At The Pass. And this, again, comes very much from the expertise in this in the field, because I wouldn't have known. Do you know what At The Pass means? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Am I meant to? No, I wouldn't have known no. that either. So at it sounds the like pass, a mountaineering term or something. Yeah, exactly. So at the pass is, uh, you know, where the kitchen food is and where they, yeah, they transition. The, so it's a point of transition. Over, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, exactly. So anybody in the food sector, in the hospitality sector, will, will, will catch the term straight away. 
Um, and it's it's about a point of transition for businesses, I guess. Um, and what we've come up with are two workshops specifically designed to help hospitality-based businesses. And the first one is called Making Changes and Big Decisions. And it's to assist people in trying to just do that audit of where they are with their business and to try and figure out where I am now, what's the potential of my business for the future? What do I need to do um, and how can I do that? And it again comes from the point where we're saying, you know, a lot of people are just exhausted with everything that they've been through, the amount of firefighting that has gone on, the amount of, uh, you know, pivoting that's gone on. Business, pivot upon pivot. Pivot upon, upon pivot, pivot, yeah. pivot. Yeah, exactly. So that workshop is very much focused on trying to assist people uh, do that audit. Um, and if they do need to make significant big decisions, that they'll be making them with the best assistance that we could think of rather than clouded and shrouded in um, uncertainty and not having somebody that they can ask questions of um, or, you know, uh, burdened by emotional. So what we've tried to do uh, with the second workshop as well, that's the second workshop is focus, is called wrapping up a business and moving on. So that's specifically for people who have actually made the decision to close their business and are trying to figure out what next. Um, so we've taken a very holistic perspective to both of these themes for the two workshops, which are on January 23rd and January 30th. Um, and try to think, OK, well, there is a business element, but there's also a very personal element. Um, and so we have a psychotherapist on board who's amazing. And she'd be talking about, like, you know, developing that change mindset. And um, for the first day, how, at the first workshop, you know, how do I go about making, preparing myself and my mind that I would be open to, to making big decisions or any changes that are necessary. We'll have a business uh, strategist on board to talk about the kind of how we can, um, you know, troubleshoot our businesses and look at it from a strategy perspective. We'll have PR people talking about, you know, what are the pitfalls to avoid in PR if your business is struggling or how do I refresh and revisit and revitalize my my strategy, my social media, my traditional media approaches, etc. as well. Uh, we'll have some we'll have a panel discussion with um, a liquidity expert. And a HR expert, you know, because quite often anybody I've come across has said that trying to understand how they would manage staff when their businesses are in decline is one of the biggest challenges that they've actually faced, more so than even worrying or wondering about themselves. So we have, uh, uh, you know, people from the, the, the liquidity expert and HR expert as well talking about that. And then sometimes it's just really useful to hear other people who've been through similar situations in the past and are then trying to, you know, have then gone on to other things. Um, and we have role models there. So we have Dominique Kemp, who's fantastic and has got the war wounds and the success yeah. stories to, uh, uh, and is so generous to share them with us. And Maria Flynn as well then from Bally McKenney Farm, who's, who, have, who ha, was a business who had to introduce incredible change to their business model um, and are trying to still navigate that space as well. And all of, of the, the obviously you're, there's a whole load of issues mm. there that you'd be delving into. There's nothing left unturned at all, actually, to be mm. fair. But of, the, of that sort of trifecta of issues of the tax warehousing, mm. the energy and the staffing, which one of the three do you think is, is likely to feature the most? Obviously, you don't know yet to hear all the, the different parts of the workshop. But what are you hearing is, is the one of the three? I'm sure they're all daunting challenges, yeah. but is there one particular that you're hearing is the most acute um, for these hospitality. Well, energy, energy is the biggest issue that I'm hearing at the moment. Um, so we won't have a session on energy 
per se, because there are other outlets for, for businesses and other sources of support out there. So contact, you know, your local enterprise offices um, and your, your um, various governmental agencies to assist, access that assistance specifically. But ours is more, the, the I guess, the things that might fall between the cracks um, from the other areas. Um, yeah, because a lot of the food businesses, they're being very clever. They're, 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 they're changing their menus to put yeah. uh, meals there that are less, you know, use of energy. They, they um, Even the, the cost of the actual source materials for the meal is lower. They're shortening up menus, not disastrously mm. so, yeah, but yeah, just yeah, being yeah. prudent. Yeah. Um, obviously, you can be a bit more efficient on energy mm. use, but sometimes if you've got a coffee machine that makes coffees, mm. It has yeah. to make coffees, right? It has to heat the water. Uh, yeah, it has to heat the water. Like, yeah. there's not a whole yeah. lot. There's lot, not, not, there are not endless amounts of economising that can be done. Yeah. Obviously, staff shortages are staff shortages. They've been going on yeah. even long before the pandemic, but they may have become a lot more acute now because a lot of people, particularly from people who weren't born in Ireland, came here to work left mm. during the pandemic, mm. understandably. They just said, we're out of here. We're going back to, you know, where, where their original labour market was when they left school or college. So... There, there's all three of them are tough, you know. But mm. as you said, you're hearing a lot about uh, rethinks, refreshing. Mm. That's sort of that's mm. sort of where the energy is. Yeah, definitely. And as I was saying, it can be difficult sometimes to do that yourself. Do you know what I mean? Um, so this is this is really presenting. Um, the, the first workshop is focusing on presenting how that change can happen from so many different perspectives. Because we also have somebody who will be in, you know, preparing the mind and body as well. Patrick McKeown, you know, he's written a lot in this area. He's a very well known author. You know, so in terms of from attending the workshop, that at least there'll be so many different nuggets from all different parts of your life that should assist you in trying to transition. Um, And again, January is a great time for all of us to be doing this as well. (laughs) It's a pretty much a retreat uh, for somebody in hospitality, I think. (laughs) Yeah, and then of course, you know, with the price of a pint going up there the other day, it should be briefly mentioned as well. Uh, Diageo bumping up, not the only ones, to be fair to them. Heineken were in before that. But um, so a lot of the costs were not sort of out of the woods by any means in that area. So that that will be something I'm sure that will come up as well. Mm. But to be fair to this sector, it is incredible. Incredibly resilient. I mean, yeah. you do meet restauranteurs who fail mm. or whose business fails. I'm already making that mistake. I know. Um, yeah, and yeah. then they, they re-emerge. And I mean, yeah. a lot of them are very famous, very well known. Maybe mm. um, started as a chef and then moved in to be a business mm. owner. Same with pubs. You know, this one closed, but I was back being the bar manager the mm. next month in this other place. So it, it is the picture of resilience, isn't it? Yeah. Hospitality. I mean, it, it's in the it's in the blood for a lot of the people who are in this world. Yeah. And I think you, you've nailed it as well there in terms of saying it's in the blood, you know, and, and for people in the sector, they are so energised. They really love what they do. They love the hospitality sector. Um, and it's a very creative sector as well. Um, and, and I think that creativity applies then in terms of people reinventing themselves through different ways. But that those transitions are super and it's great when people do them. But it can be difficult at the point itself, trying to figure out what the next stages are. And I guess that's where the second workshop comes in. And we'll have um, a a careers expert actually talking about how do you identify your skill sets and in terms of what's the transferable skills from one to the next. And it's in you, certainly within all of us to transition to something else and flourish in that as well. But just trying to figure out at that time what that next move will be can sometimes be a bit difficult. So, um, yeah, we'll have we'll be talking about next career moves in the second workshop as well. And we'll also be, you know, uh, the identity research is fascinating. I, I, it's a great area of research to be in. And I'm actually looking at how people's identity transitions afterwards assist them in terms of recovery. So we'll have um, Linda back as a psychotherapist talking about 
identity and how we say transitions. And part of that is saying goodbye to your former self almost in some ways and moving on to try and um, be be ready and uh, and be able to think about what the next you could be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's not... Uh, it it it's capable. We're all capable of it, but it's not always easy just at that particular time. No, and, and you do need to talk to people yeah. who made that journey. Uh, yeah, I mean these are career changes, but they're yeah. also lifestyle changes. And uh, yeah. as you said, how you perceive yourself has to change sometimes, and that's never easy. Um, yeah. No matter how flexible you are psychologically yeah. to do that, it, it is very difficult. Hopefully, yeah. January won't be as bad as <laughs> some of the uh, <laughs> some of the more grim um, predictions are, won't be borne out fully. We'll have to see what happens yeah. there. But I think the, the workshops are great. It's all available um, just for our listeners at thepast.ie is where they can yeah. find all the all the details, the dates and who's speaking and so on. Yeah, so we've listed the speakers and um, listed the different schedules. Um, we'll have, for that second day as well, we'll have role models who've come through closure experiences, who've gone on to their transitions and, and talking about um, how those transitions were. So there's the two workshops at thepast.ie is where you'll find the information. Each workshop, uh, you can register for them through Eventbrite. They're five euro each, just uh, a, a registration fee, essentially. But we have, you know, we've had wonderful sponsors who've helped support this. Um, and we've a lot of people giving their time pro rata. Anybody we've spoken to, the speakers are, are, are fantastic. We really are lucky. You're getting a lot more than a fiver's worth um, in terms of the contribution of people. But it's because people believe in the sector. They want to give back. And that sense of community is fantastic. You know, we do, we we all recognise how important the sector is. I think it'll be very us. well, um, you know, populated by people. You'll get a good turnout. You know, I think if you took out the word hospitality and put in widgets, you know, <laughs> you know you're not going to be quite uh, hitting, hitting the high note. It is yeah. a sector that gets people energised, uh, yeah. as you say, because so much of our lives yeah. are spent in such establishments. Mm. It is a different sector than some of the more functional sectors mm. that maybe, maybe are in a different space. So, so for now, we're going to let you go. Good luck mm. with the initiative. Mm, I hope it you. works well. And yeah. maybe we'll talk to you later in the year and have a look back. I know you're doing other research on resilience during COVID itself. Mm. Um, so we'll hopefully that'll go well. I know you're making your way through your data mm-hmm. on that one. <laughs> and you've a lot of other um, teaching responsibilities and research going on. So we will talk to you later in the year about how all this played out. It's a very, very important and worthy initiative and myself and Orla are now going off for a long liquid lunch <laughs> no we're, we're not. not not in the grid milestone that is January but we, we're certainly at the weekend I'm sure in our own ways uh, do our little bit as well so yeah. Orla Byrne Dr Orla Byrne is Assistant Professor of Entrepreneurship here at UCD Business School and involved in the At The Pass initiative good luck with it and thank you for coming thank on the you, podcast Emmett my pleasure yes great thank you Now, if you enjoyed this week's episode of the UCD Business Impact Podcast, please subscribe to episodes on Apple Podcast or Spotify. We cover a broad range of topics with insights from business leaders around the world, so there's sure to be something there for everyone. I'd like to thank our production team of Beth Gormley and Mike Liffey. They work tirelessly in the background, sourcing interviewees, editing, promoting episodes, and everything in between. I've been your host, Emmett Oliver, and we hope you can join us next time on UCD Business Impact. Music